you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I have got, well, this this is a first, actually. We have um, Alison Edgar on, who is an MBE, which is quite exciting. We've never had an MBE on the show before, and we're on episode 86 or something now. So welcome to the show, Alison. Oh, thank you, Robin. I've been desperate to come on for ages, as you know, so I'm really glad that we managed to tie this down because I'm really looking forward to it. Well, absolutely. I'm, uh, and I, you've got such a, uh, a depth and breadth of business knowledge to kind of dive into. It's always hard to know where to start, but um, we're, we're obviously here to talk about your your up and coming book as well. So I think that's probably the best place. The subtitle of the book is um, "The Art of Getting What You Want," um, and that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because as a business owner, this is something which sometimes people kind of struggle a little bit with because of imposter syndrome and all sorts of fancy stuff like that. So, what would you say are the kind of key things around getting what you want in business? So it's really interesting because I, I, it's based on my TEDx. So I did a TEDx and I had no idea what I was going to call it because I couldn't mention sales because everybody hates sales. So how do I come up with some content? And I think a, a lot of the reasons that people don't get what they want is they don't actually know what they want and they don't know why they want it. And when they do have a think about what they want, it's quite wishy-washy. So freedom, happiness, money, but what what actually is that? You know, and I think that's they, they spend a long time trying to chase that dream, but it's not specific. And, you know, as a coach, Robin, one of the things that you, you, you probably have your own methods around it, but it's smart. You know, is it specific? Is it measurable? Is it achievable? You know, and is it time relatable? And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, I want a car, I want a this, I want a that. But then they might they might then think, oh, yeah, that's quite smart. But why do they want that car? Why do they want that house? Because it's the why that continually keeps them going. And it's really interesting because um, I've always had that passion and drive for what I do. Um, And one of the things I read was obviously Simon Sinek's book. And people rave about this book. And I think I'm the only person in the world that didn't enjoy it. It was like, oh, it's all about Harley Davidson and Southwest Airlines. And it just wasn't connecting with me in any shape or form. So I think, again, I think it is important that you do know your why. But I think it's you can make that really specific to yourself. So that's why um, I decided to do the TEDx. And that's why I decided to write the book. It's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of people's goals are very sort of focused around very like materialistic and quite capitalistic things. And I think they are always a sign of success. So they're kind of like validation, but they don't really speak about you know, somebody's sense of purpose. So for me, like, yeah, the, the one goal in business is to make money. Like, don't get me wrong, but you have to do that with a, a sense, you know, vision, mission, values, but most importantly, a sense of purpose. Like, like, you know, what, what does it, you know, and a lot of people are actually searching for purpose, whereas actually purpose is what you're doing right now, isn't it? Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and again, I was in a clubhouse room the other day talking about success and they're like, well, how do you deem what's successful? And I'm like, well, actually, success is what you see through your own eyes. 
And for me, I kind of talk about the banks of balance. So you've got the art of ca- uh, the, the art, the bank of cash. So that's where you're depositing, you know, it's paid work or it's prospecting or anything that's around work is the bank of cash. And then for me, the other one is the bank of give back. So like I'll do a lot of work. I, I do a lot of undercover, under, undercover, that's not the right thing, but I don't really put it on my social media. <laughs> undercover work and I help young people so I give a lot of my time to either help social enterprises or to help um, troubled teens shall we say Um, and that makes me really feel really good but also giving back to myself so as you know like I took up running last year and I went from couch to half half marathon really because I was giving back to myself and climbed Mount Snowden that's giving back to me and then I've got the bank of faffing around so being with people really energizes me so again doing podcasts like this or speaking at events or you know that again if I'm speaking at an event that really ticks my box of faffing around and if I get paid for it then it hits the bank of cash and then by giving out my message if it really impacts one person then that hits the bank of like give back and that's like the 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 bingo line for me boom I've done everything and that's for me what I see as success and I think again when it comes back to material success um, you know don't get me wrong I've got a nice car I've got a nice house I've got a hot tub I've got all those things but you know that's not why I got up in the morning it's actually to see what impact I can make and how many people that I can help because it's that that actually makes me really shine that's what really makes me get up every day is what can I do every single day and it's not oh I'm only here to serve I'm not you know I'm here to get paid for what I do but again I get paid in different ways for what I deliver if that makes sense I think you 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 and I have kind of quite similar sort of values in that respect. But my my view on on money is that money is a byproduct of a job well done. So if you do go out and you do serve and you do help somebody to achieve what they want to achieve, you're going to get that value back in some some way, shape, or form in the future. And like especially with the books, I don't know about you, but you know you've you've written two books now, and um, one of the, one of my sort of most satisfying things that I get out of the books is that um, you know somebody could be sat on their, you know, their couch or in bed on a Sunday morning, flicking through your book, and you know that you're changing somebody's life. If you can shift their view on the world in that moment, like, and they never, even if they never become a client, you know that you've changed something for them. Oh, Robin, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's really interesting because a lot of people talk the talk about writing a book and they never ever walk the walk. I think one of the most important things is that you don't realise what impact you have on other people. And for anybody that's thinking about writing a book and, you know, they're procrastinating, then you have to do that. If you really believe that your message will actually help someone, it's it's really your job to go and write that book to help them. And, you know, coming back to the fact that you never know who's reading it or who has read it, um, I'll go, obviously not now because we're doing a lot of things virtually, but Robin, I'll pitch up at an event. And, you know, we've been at similar events and someone will go, oh, you're here? Oh, I can't believe you're here. They're like, hang on, hang on. And I'm like, okay. And they didn't know I'm coming. And they'll go into their handbag and they'll be like, oh, I love your book. Look, here's all the post-it notes. And they'll have it all earmarked. Like they're dog-eared and they use it. Like it's like a directory, you know, that's like, that's their Bible of sales. And like that feeling, that feeds, like that. that's why you'd can, you do it, you know. And I think it's, you know, talking about pricing, because I know that's, that's one of your subjects. And, you know, for me, I'll do my coaching stuff 
at a really great price. It's really great value for money. And people are like, oh, you should charge more, put the prices up. You know, you don't know your value. Well, actually I do, but I'm a bit like Robin Hood. So if it's like I'm working with a big corporate, I don't even flinch at charging them 10 grand for 45 minutes, right? Because that's that's relative to their budget. And that's why I don't have to charge Jenny that's got a wee startup business making crochet dog clothes, that kind of money, because actually I can be Robin Hood and take a higher sum from somebody else. And it's just something that's relative to the audience. And I think that's where, you know, we talked before we started about fear, being fair pricing, not being, it's not not being greedy, but you don't have to push somebody so far over their budget that they would go into debt to work with us as coaches. And that's where I think my ethical and moral driving force is, re- that's really one of the key things for me. I, I, I feel that that it's it's the, the value that I bring to the world, not just to um, my hand, my pocket. <laughs> it's it's so refreshing to hear you say that because obviously, I mean, a, a great deal of your what you're known for is is around sales, and there's so many kind of like massive misconceptions around sales and negative terms that people use, you know, for for salespeople and things like that. And it's not about like forcing products on people when they don't need it, is it? This is about making sure that whatever it has to work for both parties at the end of the day because otherwise it's just a hobby if you're not charging for it but you can't you can still sell a product for a reasonable amount of money make some money and significantly change some somebody's life and be and it work for everybody i think it's important that people charge because if you don't charge then people don't value it so i think that's where you know and again this is where like the coaching industry gets such a bad reputation by some people because they overcharge and they think that that's, and I'll give you an example, right? Let me give you a wee example of this. So my background was um, media sales. So I worked for Yellow Pages for 15 years, right? And what happened was tattoo parlours in Bristol directory, Bristol Yellow Pages directory. And at the time, this was the 90s, maybe the start of the 2000s, tattoos were not as popular then as they are now. Obviously, it's really mainstream for tattoos. And there was probably only five or six tattoo parlours in Bristol. And what happened was they were all they all wanted a full page and everybody loved to get the tattoo parlor account because you knew they were going to renew a full page and then when color came in they all wanted color and if they just put their heads together as a collective of five and work collaboratively, they would have saved themselves thousands of pounds because they could have said like, let's all drop that down and set the price here at like 500 pounds rather than 5,000 pounds. And I think this is where people perceive that by paying 10,000 pound or 20,000 pound or 40,000 pound for coaching, that that's the, the price. Somebody needs to disrupt that because actually that should not be price set by these people. That's not, you know, and, and again, lines like, well, would you invest that if you we're getting a million pounds back that's just like really objection handling sales you know and I love sales but I think that sales is a profession if it's done correctly and if you speak to anybody in my profession as a sales trainer then they will they will agree with that 100% so I think that it, it gets a dirty reputation by people who don't use it in a proper way yeah I mean there's there's a it's not even a fine line is it between sort of you know making um uh, unsubstantiated claims about like the results which you're going to get versus well actually here we've got 100 five star reviews on Google where people have got this result there's that's not a fine line that's binary it's it's either true or it's not true you know so um and and I, I but I do um there's something which I I'd like I mean I I think kind of 
I see what you're saying about the top end, like super expensive sort of coaching programs, but also there's a lot of damage being done by people coming into the market too cheap as well, because yeah. whether if they don't have the experience or for whatever reasons it is that they're not charging enough, I think that's equally as damaging in any industry, not just coaching. I think time is a commodity, Robin. And if you're spending too much time at a low price, then you're feeding the bank of cash to try and bring in the revenue that you need for your personal budget. And I think this is a problem. A lot of people don't know what they need to take home, what they need to make. And what they're doing is they haven't got a clue when it comes to pricing because they don't have a clue on their personal budget. And then if they're feeding the bank of cash because their rates are too low, they're not feeding the bank a give back or the bank of faffing around. And that's when they become quite resentful in their industry. So I think it's getting that balance of value for money. It's about value for money. And you and I are, are both of the same um, path. That The reason that we wrote our book is if people only have 99 pence for Kindle or they only have 15 quid, they can still be helped by us. And that's why we went out of our way to write our books, because we both know you don't make a, a load of money from a book, but you can impact people. Like we said earlier, they can run around with it in their handbag. And, and what we teach works. So if they do put their their self into action then they will be able to use those tips for 15 quid or 99 pence or whatever it is but the problem is a lot of people don't take action because uh, you know for various different reasons that they they procrastinate or they read the book on personal development and then they just do nothing with it and there's a statistic that I quote in the new book that um, Inc magazine that only eight percent of people actually hit their goals which is is something that I'm on a mission to change but why why so why do you think it is that so few people kind of achieve their goals then well, again, I think their their goal setting isn't brilliant. They're not using smart. They're um they're sitting in a fixed mindset. They're scared. I think a lot comes to Maslow's. I definitely think, you know, if we look at the bottom two layers, the physiological needs that they're scared. They're scared that they're working in a job maybe they don't enjoy, but they need the money to put in to feed the family, and and they're scared of that risk. And you know, like obviously your your book, take your shot. You know, that's that take that risk, isn't it? And but I believe that you can take the risk and still bring money money in if you know why you want to achieve it and, and starting a business of being entrepreneurial is not easy it's not you know it's not a nine to five job at the start of the journey especially when you're still working and getting that balance between bringing the work money in and your business money in and I think that's why you know 90% of startups fail because that takes commitment you know it's like taking on up running and doing couch to 5k or whatever you got to go and put the, the app on and the trainers on and and loads of people don't have a strong enough why as to why they want to continue and again I think it all balances through from the whole thing something we were kind of talking I'm not going to not going to talk about everything we spoke about before we hit the record button today but thank goodness do you, think, <laughs> do you think there's something about like online marketing though and this whole like it's so easy to start up a business online these days and we we are very much missold a dream in the you know it, it's um, everybody's got a shiny funnel they want to sell us and you can go out and set up some Facebook ads and make millions of pounds and yet the reality is when we get down to it oh what I've got to put some work in but do you think that's like again on the looking at it from two different viewpoints do you think that's because people are lazy and they want the, the shortcut or do you think it's the down to the people the services you know that are being sold at the other end of the spectrum and mis-selling that dream I think it's a combination of it all, Robin. I think if you look at, you know, you see a Facebook ad that hits your um, your feed and it says, are you a coach? Are you an online business? Are you a trainer? Are you a consultant? Do you want to make seven figures? 
well, I'm sorry, I think we all kind of want to make seven figures. If we're honest, really, you know, it'd be really nice to not do any work and get seven figures. There's a thing called the lottery. That's, you know, people <laughs> buy tickets for that. You know, if we didn't want that, people wouldn't buy lottery tickets. But then what I believe, and, you know, I've had online courses, Robin. Um, I set mine up 2016, I think it was. So my courses are five year old. And I think that I was under that, oh, yeah, it'd be really good. You just make an online course and people buy it. And all you have to do is sit in the beach and wait for the ping. You've made another sale. Ping. So, oh, who doesn't want a bit of that? But what they don't tell you is like when you've got a course that is not how to get to seven figures and you're actually selling it to businesses that are like in manufacturing or, you know, whatever other industries that you have to put in the graft. And like my online courses, I'll tell you how I made a decent you know, sum of money from the online courses. Um, it was actually by wholesaling them to business support agencies. And the reason that I made those sales was they weren't going in and going ping, ping, ping. I picked up the phone, had a conversation and I negotiated. So I followed the sales process that I teach because actually, you know, what I call that ping, ping, ping is a hole in one for marketing. And a hole in one for marketing is the same as a hole in one for golf. You know, you don't go out there on the first and get lucky. You might, you know, it's not it's not improbable. But the reason you get a hole in one is you're out there, you've been golfing for X amount of time, you're at the driving range, you're putting in loads of hours, you've grown a brand. You know, this is where I think that, um, and I've worked really hard to become a brand in my own right, because that you're more likely to get holes in one. Um, but again, I think a lot of people sell the dream. And if you can peddle the dream to somebody else and, and say it's a high ticket price, then it's great. And that's how that that perpetuates. Everybody wants to get that seven figures and they want to just do it by telling other people that that's how you get to that figure. It's interesting you use the hole in one analogy. Funny enough, I watched a video on YouTube, which was um, uh, it was a pre-masters thing, which um, Rory McIlroy and I think it was Dustin Johnson were doing, and they had fifty shots each to um, to try and hit a hole in one, and um, like they they got really bloody close. But you could see these guys churning up inside and getting so frustrated. These are guys they've dedicated their life to the game, and they still can't even hit a hole in one. And you know the closest I think got to about three inches of the hole. And like they were throwing their clubs around like little boys. It was hilarious. And that's where, again, I think sales and marketing work together, because if your marketing gets it that close and you pick up the phone and say, hi, I was talking to you. I've got this um, program that I'm doing or I've got this thing and we've had this conversation, you know, you know, how are you like looking to move that forward? Actually, Robin, I've got two questions, blah, blah, blah. OK, brilliant. So, you know, how do you want to move it forward? Okay, well, let's let's get a date in the diary. Do you know what I mean? That's where if people know who you are, you're not having to flog a dead horse. And that's where if you, but again, there's a lot of work. Rory McIlroy was playing since he was however age, Tiger Woods was three or whatever it was. Yes. So, you know, there's people don't see that. That's not struggle, but the effort and the practice that goes into that. And I think this is where, you know, do you, are you an online coach or are you, da, 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 and you want to earn seven figures? Yeah, it's it's not. I don't think it's a practical model unless you're selling the dream of how to make seven figures, and that just perpetuates down with the the, yeah. the models that a lot of people use, and that's just not how I roll. Yeah, I I, I I totally agree with what you're saying. And I, I think, I mean, I, I've, I've said it time and time again, you know, the internet's only 30 years old, if you think about it. And most of us have only been using it probably in a, in a big way for about 20 years, if we're lucky. It, it's like the tip of the iceberg, you know, we're, the internet age is only 20 years and it's probably what's going to be a 200 year age of change. And I, and I think that um, if people are already selling the snake oil, like now, 
you imagine, you know, something needs to be done about it now. And I know that's also something which you're very passionate about as well. Disruptor. I'm a disruptor now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, t- talk to us. I mean, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. I'm going to put you on the spot, Alison, but in the, I know you're capable of dealing with it. What would you do to disrupt what's going on here? I think you have to speak out about it, but I think you have to put another method in that works, that people, you know, an alternative. I think because if you don't have an alternative to something that works, then it just sounds like you're bitching. And I think that's where there's a difference between showing that there's an alternative. And, you know, one of the things that I've done with the new book, so it's called Smash It, The Art of Getting What You Want. And it's not... You know, again, how do people get what they want? Well, they've got to know what it is. But the other thing is, and again, I know you're going to love this, is I've put a methodology in. So there's a methodology and I've broken the book into two sections, the me thing and the we thing. And it's not the we thing, the Scottish thing. It's it's another person. And again, this was all driven, Robin, from people who used the first book for not for business. So that's why I've moved into more of a personal development space because um, what I teach works in every aspect of your life. So if you look at the, the me thing, so for some people, again, the bank of cash, the bank of give back and the bank of faffing around, for the bank of give back, maybe what they want to do is take up running, right? You know, or they want to lose weight or they want to take up swimming or they want to climb a mountain, you know, all that stuff. I'm sorry, but there's nobody else that's holding you back from that but you. And I know there's a load of books out there that, you know, you can do this, you know, and it's very motivational, but there's no structure and there's no, um, you know, because you could have all the motivation in the world, but if you haven't got a process, you will not achieve. So what I've done is combined the process that I use and, and what other people have used. So it's called the smash it method. So we've got that in there. Then the other thing is the we thing. So say, for example, somebody wants a promotion at their work or they want to get on better with their partner, or they they want things that somebody else is involved in, then again, there's a process for that as well. And I think it's been really clear on the process. I know, because I know you're really process driven, Robin, I know you are. So I think that's where it's actually a process to get what you want. It's not just the motivation and the mindset, but you've got to have the skills. And I think this is the thing that a load of people talk about motivation and mindset, but actually I think it's the combination between both. So that's where I think it's really important that they follow the process to get what they want rather than just the motivation. Absolutely. And and I think that there's something to be said about longevity as well. Like um, I, I think because people are so, you know, lost in this quick win sort of mentality that it's not like you go to the gym twice and you get, you know, big, big biceps. Um, you know, it's not, if I want to become a better cyclist, I shouldn't just do loads of running. I, I need to get on the bike and actually do the work. But that like, if, you know, if I wanted to get into there's one doing cycling for fun, there's another thing if I wanted to get into like competitions and things like that, I'm probably going to have to go out and do three or four times the miles that I'm currently doing. Yeah. And I think this is where, you know, the other thing, you know, going back to disrupting the market. So I think another thing that is quite disruptive, I've not, I've not seen it. I've done a bit of research and I've not seen it, but I've invested in an app to accompany the book. And that's why I'm so, you know, that's how I disrupt it. Cause I'm dedicating, I'm giving people things that they're not getting from anywhere else. And you know yourself, we spoke about, you know, you go to events and somebody turns up and they've got the book and it's got all the, the post-it notes and things like that. But if, if it's a book about getting what you want, sometimes the, the thoughts and the, the goals come to us at the weirdest times that, you know, what I envisage is somebody walking down embankment. I, like, I love London, right? So if I'm walking down embankment, I always feel very 
ah, you know, I feel at the top of my game, especially on a sunny day. And I'm like, oh, no, I really want to do this and I want to do that. But you're not likely to have the book. Whereas actually you think, oh, actually this, this asked me this, this is thought provoking for me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my app. I'm going to take a photo. I'm going to store it. And then you can track your progress in the app. And I think it's that tracking of the progress and seeing how far you've come that keeps you motivated. And again, it reminds you why you're doing it. And that's what I mean about disrupting the industry. That is still personal development, but you know, I'm not out there to go, you two can earn seven figures. I'm out there to make that this will be the book that will change people's lives. I know it will be the book that will change people's lives because it's proven from the people it's changed their lives before. It's not just something I've made up. It's based on people having used the other book um, to get what they want. Yeah, well, not only that, but you're putting in the extra time, energy and effort into, and money and investment in terms of building the app, which so few people, I think, in this day and age still would, you know, wouldn't do that because, you know, I, I, I'm imagining it's not a small sum that you'll have invested in that to, to help people out. And you're not, I, I get the impression you're not going to be monetizing the app. It's literally there just to support the book, which is such a, an amazing thing to do. Yeah. And again, but coming back to the value, Robin, and charging. So like all the tasks are in there. But one of the things is accountability. And, and this is where, again, if you've raised your profile, if you have got people that, that know who you are, you can do low cost, high volume. So there will be accountability sections. We're still like <laughs> we're getting the app ready. Like, but literally, we had we have a meeting every week and the developers show me how far they've come. And Robin, I'm like, oh, I can't believe it. I look at it and I go, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. But we will have like a wee $7.99 a month kind of thing and it will have like more community section in it or more accountability section and videos from me because the plain app the free app and again this is where you know you can have something for every budget and I think that's really important that's like Netflix with personal development which is gold you Um, know that's that's like super affordable for anybody to kind of get into this game so I think that's great so yeah, and I, I think I don't think I, I don't again. You might know more than me, but I don't think anybody else has done it. So you know, you said, well, how do you disrupt it? What is a disruptor? Well, that's doing things differently, and it's really funny because I never see myself as being entrepreneurial. Literally, I'm the entrepreneur's godmother. I support entrepreneurs, but even though I've just said that, I'm thinking. That was quite an entrepreneurial thing for me to do there, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so um, let's focus on you a bit, um, Alison, if that's okay. So the, the entrepreneur's godmother, where did that where did that moniker come from? So not from me, literally. Um, so the bulk of my business, there used to be funding for what I did, Robin. Again, you know, value for money. The client pays half, the government were paying half, but they pulled the funding. And again, the people who had not a lot of money, the startups, the micro businesses, the ones that really needed me the most, how on earth can I service them and still sustain my business? And that's where I decided to do more of a too many model. And I phoned one of my clients who he, he's the naughtiest boy I've ever met my life Robin we nearly got kicked out in New York we went to New York on our trade mission nearly got kicked out such such a naughty boy but I love him but he's really creative he makes gin butler's gin right and I phone him up Ross I need a wee name for this brand what can I call it and he's from Northern Ireland he went oh he didn't even have to think about it he went that's really easy you are the entrepreneur's godmother so I googled um, godmother and what did it mean? And it means a person of influence in somebody's organisation or life. Oh, I am so the entrepreneur's godmother. So that was me. And and it's one of those things I, I don't do too much in that space. 
um, just because of the way the businesses have evolved. But I do a lot of work in bigger organisations now on entrepreneurship. And what makes me a specialist in entrepreneurship is actually I'm the entrepreneur's godmother. So it just flows in really nicely to the, the bigger pieces of work that I do in the corporate space. You mentioned um, sort of towards the start of the interview that you did some work for, was it Yell? Did you say? With the, uh, and then how did you make the trans sort of aggression across into um, entrepreneurship and starting your own business? So I worked for Yell for 15 years, but at the time, I mean, I can remember sitting in a room and the CEO said, that Google thing will never catch on. Everybody <laughs> will still use the, the book. And I'm like, I'm a front frontline cannon soldier in sales I know that Google is catching on I can see the decline here um, and the company again one of my things is change on the way up not on the way down so you know I think we spoke about this offline as well that you to sell what your product or service is you've got to 100% believe in it and the day that you start to doubt it is the day that you'll struggle to sell it and we were talking about quite a famous person who was struggling to sell it and it was that belief in the product or service so you know, if that is anybody that's watching or listening, like literally, if you don't have that confidence, you need to go away and make it better because you'll always struggle to sell it. And what I decided to do was, um, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do, honestly, Robin, because I just, just <laughs> all I could do was sell. I didn't really know what to do. And, and media sales, it's not like you can set up that, you know, what am I going to do? And I realised when I re looked back at the work that I had done with organisations, I wasn't just flogging them an advert. I was I was teaching them to sell. And I thought small businesses are okay when the phone rings, but I'd gone through two recessions working at Yale. And I thought, well, what can I do to teach them if the phone doesn't ring how to still actually have a business? And it was to teach them to be proactive. And I didn't have a methodology because I'd only just been really good at sales. I had never been a sales trainer. I'd never run a company. And I had to strip back, like, you know, the behaviours, like finds like, the, you know, it's people like them, a sales process, strategy and confidence. So I think that's where actually coming up with what I did myself as a top performer really helped. And that's where I took then stripped that back from the first book into how can people use this in their every single day lives to get what they want. And, and that's what I've done with the, the new book. Was it was it a scary journey kind of leaving leaving a big company like Yale and, and starting out on your own? Yeah, I still remember the date. Like, so my payroll number was one six five three three. I was one of because I'd been there for such a long time. Everybody's payroll numbers were a lot higher, and I was really scared. And I call it the seesaw effect. And like, touch wood, my husband is quite um, pragmatic, so I'm quite like I would be like, yeah, I'll just jack it in, let's go. He's like, no, nope, you can only leave when the money that you're bringing in. Uh, is the same as the money that you're bringing in from your job, right? Okay. And again, a lot of people might think that was harsh. And uh, another thing, I think it's important to have people that support you because at that time I was saying to him, you don't support me. And he's like, Alison, the day that you take it seriously and stop playing at it is the day you'll have my support. And to be fair, I've had his support every single day from the day that I decided I was going to make an effort to switch the seesaw to make the money come in from the business rather than the job. And I think, again, that just helped me to focus. But it was really scary. It was. And, you know, I got past the three-year mark. I got past the six-year mark. And, and, you know, have I got past? Yeah, I'm at the seven-year mark now. And I think and I, every day I evolve it. Every day I push it further. Every day I, you know, feed the bank of cash, the bank of give back, and the bank of faffing around. And I think that's why 
you know, even with the MBE getting that, I mean, I was just gobsmacked. I have no words to describe how I felt the day the email came in. And I said to Neil, you know, sometimes I get imposter syndrome. Sometimes I compare myself to these people that are in this space going, oh, seven figures, eight figures, 25 million figures, blah, blah, blah. And I'm saying to Neil, you know, I'm not making seven figures. And he said, Alison, you don't get an MBE for being the richest lady in the room. You get it for giving back to people. And that's why you've been awarded this. And I think, you know what, you're so right. And I think it's keeping your values and keeping focused on what's important to you. And I think if you keep doing good things, good things just come back. The MBE is just a sign of that, isn't it? That, you know, keep living your values, keep doing your best to help people, keep focusing on, you know, what you do best. And and I think that's, it's like manifesting it, Robin. <laughs> only joking, only joking. It's about, taking, it's about taking action every single day, but on the path that you feel is the right path. Yeah, 100%. And I, I know you're very humble about the MBE, but I, I've, I've watched, you know, we've we known each other for a while and I've kind of um, watched your work and very impressed by what you do and just the amount that you do give back and, you know, the lives which you have changed. I mean, uh, probably very hard to quantify, but like the, the, the money you've made people will run into hundreds of millions of pounds easily, you know, probably. But again, it's about living living by that your own purpose, your own path, like you said, I, I love it. And I think, um, I think it's well, does I couldn't think of anybody better who would deserve an MBA and I'm not just buttering you up. I think, you know, I, I, I genuinely believe that. Um, we're coming towards the end of the interview, Alison. So, um, we've got a couple of sort of pointy questions. There's a whole ton of stuff We maybe we'll have to do an episode two, I think for your interview. Um, uh, how can, so the book at the moment is, um, it's it's out now on pre-order, isn't it? So how can people get hold of that? Yeah, I would love it because one of the things is I would love it to be a Sunday Times bestseller, right? So, um, and it, it, that's not because, oh, look at me, I'm a Sunday Times bestseller. But if I grow the profile of the book so that people can get it or know who the book is it will help more people and that's why I'm really really asking everybody to support me at this time so it's called smash it the art of getting what you want it's available now for pre-order it comes out on June the 1st it's on Amazon or you can actually I think pre-order it from the retailer stores if if that's your preferred choice but um, and it's the author is Alison Edgar MBE. How much do we have to bribe you to get hold of a copy of it before the first of June? Well, I've got I've got one. Literally, I can get you one sent across, Robin, and you can do a wee review on it for me, please. And and I think the Love other thing that. you you've been brilliant um, at getting Amazon reviews for your book as well. And a Secrets of Successful Sales has done really well with its reviews, so um, it would be great to get some nice reviews. Well, good reviews would be great, but you know what? The honest reviews. Are <laughs> can't, you can't win them all, Alison. I still yeah, remember my, all, my first one-star review for online business startup because a guy disagreed with my. You know, I'm not holding on to this at all, at all, one bit. But because he didn't agree with my definition of the word startup and didn't even read it, he left me one-star review. I do not. Well, you, I tell you what, you do need. If you get a chance, then Google the Alison Edgar talking dog. You should see the talking dog review of my first book. Literally, a whole somebody took the time and effort to make themselves talk like a dog on a video and change their voice that's like literally you've got to commend that person for making that effort for not liking my book so and at first again it's interesting when it comes to rejection at first I'm like I thought it was my team that did a great marketing I was like oh they've done that look somebody in my team's done this great video and then I watched it and it was just somebody slating the book but I'm thinking you know that your first reaction again is fight, flight and freeze, isn't it? And it's like, oh, you want to protect yourself. And then I think, you know what? 
I don't honestly care that much because I'm looking at the other 99.9% of the reviews that love the book. And if, you know, if you keep looking at the negatives, you'll never keep yourself driving forward for the positives. And again, I think it comes back to that why, doesn't it? So I'm in a new space. It's in personal development. I'm not expecting everybody's going to like it, but if I can change one life, then that's why I've got to keep going. And, you know, if everybody can get a copy, pre-order it and get it arriving on the 1st of June, then that would mean the world to me. That would be brilliant. Well, well, we'll make sure everybody listening to the Fearless Business podcast goes and grabs their copy on pre-order. Um, but it, it was interesting because a friend of mine, um, he's, on my, well, he's on my marketing team, but um, every time I get, because I get quite triggered by negative comments, even still, you know, and uh, you deal with them better and better as you get get older and have to deal with more of them. But um, what, there's two things that she always says. One, he said, like, your marketing is designed to repel people as much as it is to attract people. So, And he said, the second thing is, if you've got a load of people slating it on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter, wherever it is, a post that you put out. He said, but they're commenting. He said, what's that? That's going to help the algorithm put it in front yeah. of the right people, which helps you get promotion. So he said, it's never a bad thing to get negative, like press comments, whatever. And I was like, oh, I hadn't really thought about it like that. So like being being able to like being divisive is actually, it can be a really positive thing. Obviously, if you do it in a positive way, yeah. you know, not in a, I don't know, um, a negative way. I think it's about knowing your own self-worth and how having high self-esteem if you've got high self-esteem then you're not really bothered I'm like genuinely not really bothered so I think it's just a case of keeping on for the people that love it and that's your that's your duty that's your job isn't it 100 percent, absolutely right Alison uh final question for you then so we're going to hop into the fearless business time machine uh you get to punch in the dates um and we're going to go back to a year in your past or a date in your past um and you're going to have a word with Alison t minus x number of years so what year is it and what would you say to her um it is 1987 and that's the year that I left Scotland to go traveling on my own and I got to Glasgow Airport, Robin, and again, it comes back to that fear and overcoming the fear. And because I was travelling on my own, it was at the time when the man had the, um, like, they checked your boarding pass rather than the machine. And I was really upset and I was really scared. And I started to cry. He said, where are you going, Hen? And I said, I'm going to go and live in Cape Town. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, that is Cape Town's gain and Glasgow's loss. And since 1987, that man has had an impact on my life because that's how I live my life now. If things don't go according to plan, I go, well, do you know what? That's that person's gain and that person's loss. So if I could go back in time, I would find out what that man's name was because I owe that man a huge thank you because that's what has made me fearless is one man's comment. And I think that's why it's so important that, you know, you choose your words, you watch what, you know, sometimes you just motivate or change the life of somebody that you have never met. So hopefully that answers the question oh massively so i normally have something really profound to say at this point alison but i think you've put it so eloquently i don't really have anything to add to that and funny enough as you were saying that i was thinking god i wonder if we can find him um maybe 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 there's a way maybe maybe he's still Might not even be with us anymore to be fair it is quite a long time ago <laughs> was, well well it wasn't that long ago i mean i was six then so it wasn't too long ago alison <laughs> <laughs> He might, he might still be out there. We'll have to find a way to get that, that quote framed as well for you. <laughs> Definitely, awesome. well. Definitely. Keep, keep Tim's gain in Glasgow's laws. 
<laughs> Absolutely. So everybody uh, who's watching, listening to this, um, please do go out and pre-order your copy of Smash It, The Art of Getting What You Want. Uh, Alison, M- Alison Edgar, MBE, thank you ever so much for coming on to the Fearless Business Podcast. You've been a fantastic guest. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Robin. I'm sorry it took so long, but we'll have to come back again. Yeah, we're definitely going to do a part two because I've got about 60 million more questions for you. So <laughs> easily. <laughs> Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you.